Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Psalm 8 verses 3 to 4, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy hands, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visited him? What is man? This, the psalmist says, and that is a question that is going to engage our attention today. What is man? What is man? So we have seen that the creation of man was the crown jewel of God's creation. And what we are looking at is to look at five ways in which the creation of man differs markedly from all other creation that God did in Genesis chapter 1. And we are saying that each one of these five ways actually raise some issues and some significance for us that we are spending time with because they help us to understand the story. So we are going to look at this list again very, very quickly, and then we'll move on from there. Remember, we are actually on number two. So these are the five different ways in which the creation of man was different from the other creation. Number one, there was a divine conference that preceded the creation of man, and we saw that in Genesis chapter one. Number two, man's creation was unique in that God formed his body from the dust, and God breathed life into him. Number three, the sexes of mankind were not created simultaneously as in the case of the animals. Rather, the first female was built from a section of the false male's flesh and bone. Number four, unlike animals, mankind was not broken down into species according to their kinds or all kind of, but instead is designated by sexuality. God created them male and female. And finally, the text of Genesis clearly and explicitly say that man alone was created in the image of God. Remember, we are in number two at the moment. So far, we've seen that the real man is the living soul. God formed his body from the ground and God breathed into him the breath of life and man became a living soul. That when we man or humanity humanity lives on earth not as a disembodied spirit humanity lives on earth as a living soul our soul is the seat of our consciousness our soul is the seat of our awareness as self that is where our awareness as self is it is the seat of our mind our will and our emotion. Obviously, our mind consists of things like our intelligence, our our decision-making, and things like that. So our soul is the seat of our consciousness. That is where we are conscious of ourselves being self. Our soul, like we saw in the last teaching, is very, very precious. The soul is very, very precious. The soul is very, very costly. It is amazing. It is complex. It is majestic. It is all inspiring and 
So those are some of the things that we've, 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 we've seen as we study this. The soul of man is precious. The soul of man is costly. The soul of man is amazing. The soul of man is majestic. It's awe-inspiring. Now let's read that Psalm 8, verses 3 to 4 again. And I'm going to also read some couple of scripture along with it. So let's read again Psalm 8, verses 3 to 4. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy finger... The moon and the star, which thou hast ordained, what is man, that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man, that thou visited him. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, then shall the dust return to the earth, as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Job chapter 32, verse 8, but there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty give them understanding there is a spirit in man now we've read a couple of scripture and all the scripture that we've read is actually in the old testament you see we need to understand that there are some revelation knowledge that were in shadow form in the old testament that as we move into the new testament it become clearer and such is this question of what is man we begin to see that even in the Old Testament, men they knew that man is more than just a body. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And Job 32, verse 8 says that there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty give them understanding. So these people knew that there is more to a man than just the physical body. There is an inner man like we have seen there is the hidden man of the earth and we see that as we read through the scripture psalm 8 verse 4 says that when i consider the heavens of the heaven what is man okay let me read it properly when i consider thy heavens the works of thy hand the moon and the stars which thou art ordained when i look at the majesty of god when i look at the power of god when i look at the glory of god what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him. I mean, for one thing, God did that because of his grace. God paid attention. God poured his grace and his love upon man because of his love for man, because of his grace. But the question is, why did God disproportionately pour his grace and love upon man, upon humanity? And what we are dealing with in number two, and this is why I'm going back and forward, what we are dealing with in number two is actually showing us, you know, why God was attending to man. Is actually trying to answer for us. So our current look at these five issues that is arising from this peculiarity of the creation of man when God created man. This issue that we are dealing with actually help us to have some answer with respect to the question that the psalmist raised. Why? What is man? Why did God have to pour out this love on man? Like I said, the, we could say God did that because God loves man. We could say that God did that because God is, is, is love. God is gracious. But we need to look a little bit further. The psalmist said, what is man? I mean, the psalmist was looking at the body of man, the frailty of man. What claim as one so weak, one of my um, 
commentary said. He said, what claim has one so weak and frail, so short-lived, to be remembered by the eternal God? The psalmist was looking at the externality of man. And when you look at the body of man, we were indeed weak. We are indeed frail, short-lived. And the, the psalmist was asking, what is it about man, this weak, frail, and short-lived creature? What is it about man that made God to attend to him? What is it about man that made God to give him this much do dominion? What is there in man that gave him so much notice? Why has God conferred on him so high honor? Why has God placed him over the works of his hands? Why has God made so many arrangements for his comfort? Why has God done so much to save him? And that was the question that the psalmist was asking. And like I said, we could answer that and say, for God so loved the world. And that will be a good answer. But we need to look beyond the surface. We need to look under the surface. We need to understand that this man is much more than just skin. This man is much more than just color. This man is much more than just a gender. What is man? And we have looked at a little bit of this before, but we are going to go back. I've used some of this illustration before, but I want to go back and use some of this illustration again because man is much more than a skin. There is something that God has deposited in this man that is precious, that is amazing, that is awe-inspiring. What is man? Man, humanity, women, men, we are much more. We are much more than just this frail, this weak, you know, flesh and bone. We are much more than skin and bone. We are much more than gender. We are much more than color. What is man? And we have seen this. I mean, the psalmist may have this type of picture of man. We are looking at this man. We are looking at his body. I mean, compared to the element around us, you cannot compare man to the element around us. I mean, by, by comparison, man is absolutely nothing. I mean, when you look at the, at the waves, when you look at the hurricanes, when you look at the volcano and, and mighty things in our universe. But one of the things that we saw is that man is much more than just a body. We've seen that man is a tri being. It's a body, soul, and spirit. That is man. But one of the things that we saw is that actually the scripture always, always look at man in two parts. And that is what we've read when we read Ecclesiastes and Job. We see the body of man and also the second part, which is the inner man, which is the eating man of the heart. And that is the spirit and the soul of man together, which sometimes is called the earth. And we saw that in death, when a man dies, the body will go to the dust, but the spirit and the soul will go back to God. And what we saw is that when in resurrection, God is going to give us a new body. Now, that body will not be like our body that we have now. It will not be made of material things. It will be made of the same material as our soul and our body. And man will once again be a three-part being. Okay, and this is very, very important. I know I've used that before. I just thought I would review that. Okay, that the psalmist said, what is man? And the answer is, man is much more than just this physical body. He is a soul and a spirit is a living soul. Okay, this is man on earth. And that is his body. That is material body, his soul and his spirit. And what we see here is our body 
is made out of materi physical material. And this is very, very important. We are answering that question again, what is man? And this is what most people will just focus on. But what we see in the scripture is that <clears throat> our soul and our spirit are made out of what? Spiritual substance. Our soul and our spirit are made out of spiritual materials. So, what is man? His body, but that body is made up of material, physical material, and because of that, it connects us to physical world because with our physical senses, the sense of sight, smell, taste, feeling, and all those things that we've mentioned, we've mentioned in the past. But also, man is made up of spiritual component, his soul and his spirit. And that component connects us to the spiritual realm. The spirit of man connects him to the spiritual realm. And the spirit of man, just like his body has physical senses, the spirit of man also has spiritual senses that connect him or her to the spiritual world. So what we want to see is that man is one. Is one is not three being. Man is one. Is one being, but he has three parts. Now, the thing I want to talk about and stress here tonight is that three parts of human operate as one unit. Operate as one unit. One part of man will operate on behalf of and for the benefit of the whole. I, I need to ex I need to explain this very well. Now. We are, we are living in this world. You can see my physical. Now, whatever my physical body is doing, is doing on behalf of and is doing for the benefit of the whole being because I am me. And if my body sin, the whole three of us are sinning. So you cannot say, well, it is my body that is sinning. My spirit loved the Lord. My soul loved the Lord. No. If your body is sinning, your soul is sinning, your, your spirit is sinning. <laughs> your every single part of your three parts operate on behalf of and for the benefit or for the disbenefit of the whole. If your spirit is being built up, your soul will be built up, your body will be built up. If your spirit is full of the Holy Spirit, your soul will be full of the Holy Spirit, your body will be full of the Holy Spirit. No, no part of us acts independently of the other part. Each part at on behalf for the benefit and for the disbenefit of the whole. And what affects one part of our being affects every single one of, one of them. If I fill my mind with junk, my spirit will be full of junk and my body will be full of junk. If I fill my body with junk, if I, I am glut, glut, glutinous, I eat a lot, if I sleep a lot, if I'm sluggish in my body, then my soul will be sluggish, my spirit will be sluggish. We need to understand that what affects one part of our being affects all. Why? Because all of them together work as one. Okay. Now, for example, if, a, if the body of a man is sick, then his spirit cannot leave his body and say, well, I'm going to go to church. Yeah. Th that body will affect the soul and will affect the spirit. Now, obviously, the soul and the spirit can rise up despite what is going on and begin to move, begin to move. Maybe if, if, if one, one part of the body is beginning to affect the rest, then, then the other part can begin to then, you know, 
pressing into God. Maybe your body is, is, is becoming low or your spirit is becoming, your, your soul is becoming low. When you understand that what affects one part of your being affects the rest, then you need to take charge in other area of your body. Let's say, for example, you're, you're, you're becoming depressed, you're becoming anxious. If you don't do something about that, it will affect your body, it will affect your spirit. And then that means that you have to arise and do something about that anxiety. You have to arise and do something about that depression. Maybe going to doctors or, or, or study the scripture or doing all of them preferably together. Taking the scripture and, and, and begin to feed your, yourself, feed your spirit, feed your soul, renew your mind with the reality of who you are in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to repeat that again and again and again and again and again and again. And again. What, what affects one affects the other. No, no wonder the Bible says we should guard our heart with all diligence. For out of it are issues of life. We should guard it. We should, we should look after our body. We should look after our soul. We should look after our spirit because one, what affects one affects the other. We cannot afford to be careless with any part of our being because what affects one affects the rest. I know I'm saying this over and over and over again. And if we see ourselves sleeping in one area of our being, we should rise up and use the word of God. We should rise up and use all the available tools. Maybe in, maybe in my physical body I need to do more exercise. Maybe I actually need to sleep more. Or maybe I need to eat better. Maybe I need to, to exercise better. Maybe if it's my soul that is, is going down, is getting worried, is getting you know oppressed and depressed, I need to rise up and take the word of God. Maybe, and those are, we, we need to understand that we need to take care of each and every part of our being. And this is very, very important. When God created man at the beginning, there was harmony. There was harmony between the soul, the spirit, and the body. But a conflict was introduced later. And we'll be, going into, we'll be looking into this in consequent teaching by the grace of God. At the beginning, there was harmony. But now we have a conflict. The body wants to do, do its own thing. The unrenewed man wants to do his own thing. The spirit wants to obey the will of God. And there is that conflict. Paul discussed for us that conflict in the book of Romans chapter, chapter 7. So at the beginning, the spirit, the soul, and the body, they were together. They work as one. But unfortunately, there was an introduction of sin that brought conflict. And we have to learn, and we are going to learn that in future teaching. How do I, you know, bring into subjection, the Bible call it, bring into subjection my body, okay? And also the Bible talks about renewing my mind. And the Bible talks about the, 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 my spirit being the candle of the Lord, building up myself in the Holy Ghost. Because of this conflict, because I understand that if I don't put under my body, if I don't renew my mind, it's going to affect the whole body. So we are going to see in future teaching how that was, because that conflict will be introduced. So that is what we've seen in number two, you see? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now we are going to move on to the number three and four. I'm going to take number three and four together. I'm just going to introduce this. And in the next teaching, by the grace of God, we will take number three and four together remember we are looking at these five different ways in which the creation of man was different from other creation and the reason we are doing that is number one we are looking at the issue and the significance of that and one of the things we've seen is that it's helping us to actually understand who what is man and this is very important 
we have seen something of who God is, and we are going to still see a lot about who God is. And we are looking at the creation of man and looking at these five different points, and they are helping us to understand who is man. Because the beginning, the story, the heart of the story is about God. Okay, and we want to see our part in the story. So number three, remember what we said about number three is that the sexes of man were not created simultaneously as God did when he was creating other animals. Okay, the sexes of man were not created simultaneously. In the case of man, God created man. And then God took something out of the man and from it he created the woman. And then number four, we see that in the case of animals, what God did was everything was according to their kind. But in the case of humanity, in the case of man and woman, God created them male and female. God designated them by sexuality. So we want to look at the issue and the significance of gender and sexuality. And this is huge. And that is why I'm not even going to try and go into it. This issue is huge. The issue of gender and sexuality used to be very simple. We used to know who is a man. We used to know who is a woman. It used to be very simple, but it has become confusing. It has become (laughs) unnecessarily confusing. Today, there are self-inflicted confusion about gender and about sexuality. And this has confused the issue. This has confused the story. And this is why, going back to Genesis chapter 1, it is helping us to understand the reality as God created it. That when God created man, he created them male and he created them female. God created humanity as sexual being. God created them male and God created them female. What is the implication of that? And how does that become significant in this story that is unfolding before us? And how how, how is that relevant to our experience today that man was created male and female? Male and female. This is the way God (laughs) created it in the beginning. And we're going to look at that by the grace of God. I think I will need to stop there today. There's so many confusion in this area. And I believe the Lord will help us to see the, the, the truth, you know, the God that created, God created our sexuality. Sexuality is not of the devil. God created us male and female. And there is a reason why God did that. And we are going to look at that reason next teaching by the grace of God. And if you are listening to me and you are still running your own show, you are still living your own life. I want you to know that the Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man and the end of that is the way of death. I want you to understand that this whole world is rushing towards judgment, towards destruction. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You can rush to him today. You can come to him. You can accept Jesus as your savior. This world is a sinking ship, but there is a savior. There is only a name that is given among men whereby you can be saved. Religion cannot save you. Good works cannot save you. Only Jesus can save you. 
and you, he, has, he has made a way you can go to him and ask him to be your savior. You need to accept the fact that you cannot help yourself, that you are a sinner, that you are a rebel at earth, and you need a savior. And accept him as your savior, confess him as your savior, and he will save you. He will be your God. He will be your father. He will bring you home and you become a child and a citizen in his kingdom. And when this is all over, in the new heaven and new earth, you will spend eternity with him. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.